You're listening to Always Player One, a solo board gaming podcast. Hello and welcome to Always Player One. I'm Scruffy. And I'm Norm. And today we are... Well, today is on day of release, New Year's Day. So, Happy New Year's, everyone. Happy New Year's. And we're doing the last of our holiday specials today. It will be a recap looking at our best experiences from 2020 and the podcast and how it was formed and all our all the fun we've had making it. Yeah, absolutely. We thought it'd be fun to kind of just look back at the year, just do a little 2020 review. And I've, I think with that in mind, the first thing that I want to let you all know is 2020 has been a hard year for a lot of people. And by doing this sort of look back, I don't think we're trying to sugarcoat that. It's been a hard year for everyone. But we're specifically looking at the podcast this year and our gaming experiences as well so we're only going to be talking about nice stuff (laughs) i just feel like i just feel like when we say we're going to do a 2020 year review it should come with like a trigger warning right (laughs) yeah a a review of the year don't worry don't run away it's not like we're talking about everything that's gone wrong in the year just uh, just about the podcast all the the wonderful fun we've had with that and how it's got us feeling good in a very small way. And I think we should celebrate that this episode, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And also, we're going to be looking forward to what might be coming up in 2021. And very excited to reveal that we are revealing our listeners' choice top three solo games, the gold, (laughs) silver, and bronze Always Player One Listener Choice Awards. This is something we've just made up, (laughs) but we're very excited to reveal that. We'll do it later on in the episode, but basically listeners on our Discord for the last month or so have been posting their top list. Now, we've just been doing it for fun, but I thought now that we've got all this data... We'll uh, we'll put it through the the machines and and, and tabulate it, make it all... (laughs) into a, a numeric list so we can find out which is one two and three gold silver and bronze solo games yeah and it, it makes sense because this is the like end of the year episode you know so i thought it'd be a cool place to look at that data and share it with with you guys and and just have a little bit of fun with it so uh that's that's coming up as well so all very exciting let's should we start with some of our favourite episodes this year, Scruffy. Do you want to get us? Yeah, it feels weird at this point not doing a description of the game. But okay, let's dive right into what we've enjoyed most. So, not well. Do you, do you want to tell us your favourite episode that we did this year, Norm? What was the what was the standout one for you that you enjoyed recording most? Uh, I think the last episode, the Christmas special. Really? Ah, oh, the quiz. Yeah, yeah, that was so much fun. It was really a lot of fun, wasn't it? It was, yeah, it was, it was the most fun I've had in front of a microphone. <laughs> awesome. For anyone who hasn't already listened to it, this was a quiz that we did hosted by Kendall McKenzie, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, this is how we decided who was the best host. No spoilers here, but we all know who the best host is now. Uh, <laughs> For this year, and that came about because of a wonderful quiz. And the feedback we've had from that episode has been 
incredible. Everyone who's listened to it and has bothered to write in has nothing but nice things to say about how much they enjoyed it. And one thing that really actually made me a little bit, uh, I don't want to get all sappy, but one thing that made me a little bit emotional was the amount of listens that were on Christmas Day. If you're inviting us in your home on Christmas Day to listen to us, then it's like family, you know? Yeah. And I thought that was brilliant, you know? I think it was Comrade Boris on the Discord said, I'll be listening to you whilst I cook my Christmas dinner. It'll be a new tradition. And I thought, wow, that's that's awesome, you know? I love that. Yeah, it was a real nice uh, nice thing to hear on the day, you know? It made me, made me smile and, yeah, just... Uh... Warm, fuzzy feelings all around. <laughs> yeah, and that's, ex- that's exactly what we were going for. Just a nice little treat. Um, so, yeah, that's probably my... F- if you, are, you ask me what was the most fun I've had recording, that, that is mm. the answer. What about you, Scruffy? Uh, yeah, so for me, the actually the most fun episode to record for me was the Iron Sworn one. And it was just because it was unbridled positive energy from me the whole way through, I think. like yeah. <laughs> I yeah. was so, so, so excited to have found this new sort of niche within the hobby and i just went away from it feeling just elated but yeah i mean the quiz one was amazing as well and i was buzzing after that one nattering on about how much fun it was and uh, and, and how, how fun the whole format had been but yeah that the episode which episode is that episode, episode nine. nine yeah nine flipping out. that's ages ago all the way back in august the end of august yeah, we, we we talked about it was our both of our first ever experience with solo role playing, and so to be able to kind of not only approach a new game that we'd never played before, but a whole new way of playing a game. I don't know. I, I mean, to me, it was it was an absolute blast. I, I loved it. I loved it, and it it was kind of a risk at the time. Like I remember when we were thinking talking about maybe doing it it was a, a, a conversation we had to have of well does this count as a board game are we allowed to talk about role playing games yeah. you know? but we got a, a lot of uh, good positive feedback from that as so well i think it's our most listened to it is our most listened to episode and it's our most listened to episode by a lot as well and i think that's quite nice because like you said at the time we thought we were taking a risk we're like this is a break from our formula at the time and it felt like a risk how silly is that because we've had so many new listeners because of that episode and also a lot of our core listenership now play solo role-playing games as a direct result of our at the time perceived risk yeah exactly and i remember saying to you that i, I just i really hope that even if just one person picks up the game after recording this episode, I'll, I'll feel just so happy to have been able to share that experience and invite other people to join in with something that. Because I mean, part of the part of the episode we called it just demystifying solo games was that I, I had a real barrier to entry going into playing a solo game, like the the even just knowing the basics on how to start, what to do. You know, with a board game, it's a lot easier. You've got an instruction manual there. You just un- unpack the box and just go. With solo role-playing games, you can read the rule book, but then to know exactly how to play the game. And if anyone is listening to this and is in that boat where they haven't picked one up and aren't sure how to even start a solo game, how, how could you possibly, uh, solo RP game, how could you possibly role play? Isn't that just imagining by yourself? I would recommend listening to our episode nine because I think we do a good job of kind of covering it from a completely new 
player perspective. Yeah. Because that's what we were. Yeah, absolutely. And the more that I've played Iron Swan specifically as well, the more I've noticed that it's not just about learning the rules. It's also about understanding that it's a system that is supposed to bend and flex to accommodate for your adventure and not the other way around. Do you know what I mean by that? I do, yes. Like even there are some times now where even when we play together, we'll be like, I think this is how we should handle this specific scenario. Or actually, let's do it this way. This rule is written like this, but I think if we did it like this, we could use it to, we could manipulate the system to enhance our story. And Iron Swan's particularly great at that, but it makes it, that kind of makes it even scarier as a new player because it's like, this isn't just something I can learn. I actually have to just keep playing and commit time to, which sounds scary, but it's just committing time to having fun. And eventually you start seeing all these shortcuts you can manipulate in the system to tell a fantastic story. Yeah, and I think you're really particularly adept with that. I'm, I tend to be a lot more literal in my interpretation of the rules than, than you are. Um, but I think, yeah, finding that kind of sense of discovery as you as you progress in the game, we'll have to at some point potentially revisit it and talk about how we play it differently now to how we maybe played it in the past. That would be an interesting episode. But I, I, I don't know if we'll ever be able to quite recapture that wide-eyed wonder I had mm. in episode nine. Yeah, uh, I, I think it does come across as well. I, you know, I've listened to that episode actually fairly recently even just to revisit it myself. It's, it's fun for me sometimes to go back. I don't very, very often listen to our old episodes, especially the really early ones, because uh, I think... The editing has gotten a little bit slicker and it's sometimes a bit difficult for me to hear <laughs> how I was stumbling through back in the really old episodes. But yeah, episode nine, I think it was it was a, a really cracking episode for me and one I really enjoyed recording. Excellent. Yeah, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. And before we move on to, I think that's a great link into old episodes and we should potentially look at some of those. But before we do, mm. just going back to manipulating like a solo role-playing game like Iron Swan or a system like that, I think the number one questions we get the most on our Discord about Iron Swan are not rules questions. You know, they're things like, how do you handle a journey? They're not asking, how does the Undertaker journey move work in a rule book? Like, mm. what shortcuts do you have to enhance the storytelling? And I think that's really fun when the, the game is kind of easy enough to learn, but then takes time to... I know, become this kind of story crafting machine and that you get more adept at sort of pulling the levers and it's fun. It's like GMing for yourself in the the most fun sense of that phrase, you know? Yeah, and just carrying down this this rabbit hole a bit further, the the limitations that some of the rules impose that feel really challenging are there for a reason. So I remember one of the sort of turning points for me when I when I got more into the game was realizing that my character is wiped out now. He's he's got nowhere to go. Can I just time skip and heal him back up to full health? And nowhere in the rule book does it allow you to do that. And I think that's a really good thing because it prevents kind of lazy storytelling. You know, how often do you get it in a game like Dungeons and Dragons where you go, okay, we'll just have a rest now and and that heals us all back up to full health and 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 it's not really interesting it's that you you just magically have it happen it's it's all 
back up. This is just a, a lull in the story. And, th- you know, there is a, a case for having that in your system. But in something like Iron Swan, even making a camp or attempting to heal up in other ways is a challenge. And the, it's sometimes multiple moves to try and bring you back up to that full health. And that necessity that forces you to make moves and come up with creative ways for resolving these kind of really basic things like getting back up to full HP after a long encounter and even when the story's over then spark off whole new shoots and new stories and new challenges to overcome and you can't just say oh it's okay I'll just spend uh, 10 days here yeah and Sean Tomkin has said that the reason the sojourn move exists is because when you're playing on your own or in a low player count it's very easy to play like a lone ranger character who never encounters anyone. So if you're injured, it, in order to sojourn, you need to meet other people. And other people create stories. So yeah. it's just the, the game is so wonderful at just cycling stories out of thin air. It's spectacular. But moving on from Iron yeah, this Swan. Isn't, this isn't Iron Swan revisited. Come on, let's get back to the... Uh, yeah. <laughs> let's get back to the thing. Moving on. a topic I enjoy talking about. Is, is yeah. that, is that... Can you tell we enjoy the game? But, but moving on from Iron Swan and using the segue from earlier that we should have taken full advantage of. This, <laughs> what did you say? Listening back to old episodes can be difficult. Let's go mm. all the way back to the beginning, Scruffy. Yeah, let's. That'll be nice. Episode one. Everyone get cozy. We're going back in time. (laughs) (laughs) Episode one, A Feast for Odin and Why We Love Solo Games. (laughs) How was that to record for you? I I found it really nerve-wracking, personally. There's something very... that takes a lot of getting used to about just sitting down and talking to a screen, even having you talking with me. I think it was... It was a, a real leap, you know. I think we had a few false starts when we probably started and didn't really know what form it was going to take in, in its entirety. And I think it's a very um, very challenging topic we set ourselves, why we love solo games, especially for people who were coming in as very new to solo games. I think that's a pretty challenging question to ask yourself right there and then. And, mm. and we were quite new to solo games at the time. And and still are, I think. Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. I think uh, this podcast has really helped us branch out and try different things and uh, have a lot more wealth of knowledge to draw on. But I remember when we started, the you know, I've said it many times in other episodes, I had so many more preconceptions going in. And I think I, I was a lot more headstrong in certain opinions, especially, you know, I always go on about randomness in games. Um, I may have even mentioned it. I haven't listened to that episode. I may have even mentioned it then, you know, right from the start. Who knows? Oh, yeah. You, you In episode one, you didn't like the dice in Feast of Odin. You mentioned mm-hmm. that. That felt janky. I wonder what your opinion would be on that now if you played it solo now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an ingrained prejudice I have for that specific game, I'm sure. But the, the hunting dice were always cruel to me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think maybe that would be more a thing that I talk about in terms of the scoring and that randomness when you're trying to compete with your own score is something that still a bit irks me a little bit. Mm. But when it comes to a game that has more of a narrative focus or more of a win-loss condition focus, I don't know, I, I find it a little bit more forgivable and fun. Okay, that's in, that's really interesting. You know what What I find about episode one, episode one is probably our most different episode to, to the rest of the back catalogue. And that's because... 
we had the core mission statement and we spoke about you know our mission statement briefly at the end of our holiday quiz episode so i won't want to go over and revisit old ground but um we had our core mission statement but we didn't really know what made a good well we we knew what we thought made a good podcast but we didn't really know anything about presenting a podcast we didn't really know about how easy it is for people to follow along at home we didn't really know i mean i was recording episode one on the laptop microphone but we learned so much from doing episode one i feel yeah i mean i'd never never edited anything really like certainly nothing where i wanted to go in and cut and change and equalize voices and stuff so it's all been a completely new experience for me i mean we had a lot of people writing in saying hey that's a decent first episode but i've not played feast Roden, and you didn't describe how the game works i didn't know what you were talking about <laughs> and I'll, and we were just like do you think maybe we should describe what the and that's why from episode two and onwards we always have a description of of the game and that was such a simple lesson to learn but one that we we didn't really think of yeah i mean part of it was that we we said we wanted to go straight in and talk straight about the topic no faffing around and i remember when i when we heard that comment i said no i don't want to talk about the description for the game i want to just talk straight about the topic but you kind of made me see sense with that and and say you know we do need to for anyone who hasn't played outline the game a bit and we are still talking about the game there we're not waffling on about nothing for a while we are still talking about the game yeah there needs to be some context for someone who hasn't played before (laughs) you need to know that it's a worker placement game they need to (laughs) it's about liking (laughs) yeah what's happening (laughs) yeah and that's why we don't do a rules teach that's why it's not a big long rules teach at the start it's just a bit of flavor a little bit of here are the core mechanics because we want to get talking about the interesting stuff as quickly as quickly as possible we don't want to tell you how every single turn breaks down every single bit of detail i didn't in robinson crusoe tell you how every single phase works what's exactly the way because that can come later you know you don't want you don't want to the worst thing about playing a board game is learning the rules you don't want that when you're listening to a topic a conversation about board games do you no as something we still kind of struggle with is we try to get to the main topic as quickly as possible so going back the first episode in december i think it might be marvel yeah it was marvel champions was the first episode in december and at the start of that episode we had a lot to explain we wanted to explain that for December, the Patreon was going to be free, frozen, and we're going to release twice as much content over that week. And also, there was a winner to our Mage Night tournament. That is all free stuff. That's not like us promoting ourselves or promoting our Patreon or asking for money. And we were still like, is there any way we can reduce this? <laughs> you know, we- let's put, let's put timestamps in so people can just skip it. <laughs> yeah. Well, how can we say this faster? And I was like, I, at one point, I said to Scruffy, I was like, hey, dude, like, we're talking about all this nice free stuff we're giving people. Like, I don't think they're going to mind. And Scruffy was just like, no, let's say it faster. <laughs> let's get to the point. <laughs> the speedrunner in me, isn't it? Just trying to get, get, get it done. <laughs> so I think if you go back and listen to any of our episodes, uh, we're into the main topic or we're talking about the game within within the first five minutes. Yeah, that's the that's the kind of aim, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, that's the aim. But yeah, so that was episode one. That was uh, we learned a lot, but wow, I was also really nervous. Mm. And I listened to it before recording today just to hear what it sounds like. 
knowing that I was going to bring it up. And you can tell I'm nervous. Oh, no, that's so cute. I kind of want to listen to it now. Just to... <laughs> it, I'd start to warm up towards the end, but wow. I don't know why anyone would listen to episode one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, it's like our... Um, it's like our embarrassing baby photo, you know? Yeah. I mean, but that being said, like for the first time ever, jumping into a new thing, I'm kind of proud of us. Like I remember I listened to it ooh, quite a long time ago now and I, I was I was surprised. I was expecting it to be all scritchy background noise, grr, grr, big spikes of noise or whatever, but it's not that bad. It's listen toable. Yeah. Yeah. It's serviceable, I suppose. It's the I nicest mean, thing we can say about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's uh, promoting our episode one. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's move swiftly on. Let's talk about let's talk about the next one. We we talked about in that one Friday, didn't we? Uh, episode two and difficulty in solo games. Mm. So, what were your thoughts going into that one? Uh, I immediately felt a lot less nervous that day, and I don't know why. I think it's because I had a nice microphone. I felt more. I felt like I was up to the job. Mm. I no longer yeah. felt like an imposter podcast host. <laughs> <laughs> you were officially mage norm. I think it also helps that the, the focus is in, in, in an episode is on a game, not on us. Mm. Yeah. So that's obviously a lot less nerve-wracking. I guess that's why I was feeling a bit nervous in the first episode as well, because putting yourself in the spotlight like that and talking about yourself as the topic, oh, it's like an interview, isn't it? Yeah, and it's also like, we learned, like I said, we learned so much doing episode one. Coming into episode two, I had so many ideas of how it could be better. I had so many ideas of what I was going to do better, not in terms of just doing the episode, but in terms of preparing for the episode as well. And that's where I picked up a lot of my routine and shortcuts that I do to prepare, make notes, and and flow. And it's also when I kind of realized that there's nothing to be scared of. Like, I'm just talking to my best friend and... We already have really good sort of, I guess, shortcuts or I just cues, you know, just social cues built in to our conversation because, you know, we've spoken to each other like every day for the last, I don't know how many years. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's not a scary thing. It's it's a fun thing. And fr- doing a Friday episode was the first. Yeah, I, I kind of felt like, yeah, this is just me talking to Scruffy. There's no... It's no difference. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And it was also a really nice one because I came into that episode thinking I was going to, we we set that episode up as one that would be a really easy conversation because I was going to come in saying I hate Friday and you were going to come in defending it. That was the premise we had in our mind when we were, when we first set up, we we knew after by episode one, what we were going to talk about in episode two, we had one, two and three in our minds. And I came in to the episode like, Norm's in for a surprise. And so we had a lot of genuine, nice interaction there. A lot of, you know, I didn't tell you until the podcast, did I? That Yeah, I didn't find out until on air. <laughs> yeah, the, the, this actually, yeah, I, I've changed my mind. <laughs> this has been a running theme in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, um, and it was a big deal and it was nice and it was, it was really fun to riff off of that and everything that you, you know, you might have thought we were going to talk about we ended up talking about something else and that was really organic and and fun absolutely can i pick the next one yeah yeah um episode five railway station we're skipping a few skipping ahead skipping ahead 
the the reason I wanted to speak about this one is because it's our first for a couple of things. It's our first episode that we had someone other than us on. Yeah. And it's our first print and play special, which has become a running thing that we do every five episodes now. What did you think going into that episode? Because it's a, it's not a very well-known game, for one. It's a print and play, two. And three, it was a special guest. Like, yeah. what, what were your thoughts going into it? Were you worried? Were you excited? What did you think? Yeah, so I already, I'd already played Railway Station going in, so I knew before we even you know, set up to play for the podcast, I was going to have good things to say about the game, which is always a really nice bit of reassurance there because it's a, it's a lot more fun for me to talk about stuff I like than stuff I hate. And obviously we know Kendall and we, we talk to Kendall all the time and so I, I wasn't worried about having a conversation with Kendall involved as well. But I was a bit kind of like worried about the logistics of editing it. I was worried about the format and whether it would flow okay because obviously it works really well with two people just want back and forth back and forth back and forth and having a third person there it made me kind of concerned about how that would sound and obviously I was really pleasantly surprised when it when it got there Kendall is an absolute natural when it comes to recording episodes for podcasts and and I love chatting with them and you know we had a we had a, we had a really nice time talking about it and obviously uh, it's culminated in now this I, I don't know if this Christmas quiz would have happened if we hadn't recorded this way back in July. Yeah, yeah. And it didn't surprise me that Kendall was a natural and they kind of made it very easy for us. It didn't feel very different. Although I was particularly nervous because I felt like it's just letting someone else in on the process. Mm. I, I think the only the only real thing I had was um, I was a bit worried about how to be an interviewer, you know, what sort of questions to ask and, and that sort of thing. Mm. But it's a step away from what we were doing. And we, by that point, we'd both built up confidence with the format we had. We were enjoying presenting as a kind of conversation as we did. But then it's, it kind of felt like a weird power dynamic. I don't know if you, if you got that. One thing that I noticed is that we tried to analyse the game in front of Kendall mm. and also include Kendall in the conversation. Mm. And that was unusual. I don't know if anyone else interviews like that. You know, I've listened to plenty of interviews of board game designers and they're rarely, this is exactly what I think about your board game. Yeah. This particular mechanic and start, you know, this real micro analysis. I don't know if board game designers by and large would have the patience to sit through that. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting because I think this is going to, it's going to sound really bad now, but I think personally, I find listening to interviews really a bit boring. So for me, the focus of the episode needs to include the interviewee with a conversation about the topic I find interesting, which is the game, right? Uh And that's, I think, what we have continued, I've been saying it until right now, it's what we've continued to do a bit differently when we have guests on and we talk about things is that we, we don't just talk about the guest. I mean, we do still talk about them and we do ask them questions about themselves and their process and, you know, how they got into things. But I think that we always bring it back to the game as well, because the game is more interesting to me. And that's horrible. (laughs) It's true. No, but it's the reason people press play. When you put the title as this game, you better be talking about that game. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody cares where the interviewee went to university. Really? 
<laughs> at least I don't. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe some people do, and so in that case, our interview episodes would not be for you. But I think for anyone who is listening to a board game podcast, you want to hear about the board game, right? That's our assumption. Let us know if we're doing it wrong. We'll start talking <laughs> about. I don't know, we'll start talking about Beyblades or something else. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so just uh, taking a step away from looking at our old episodes for a second, put pause on that. We'll come We'll come back to it in a moment, I'm sure. But I just wanted to ask you quickly, Norm. I'm, I'm going to put on my interviewer hat. You ready? I'm ready. <laughs> what has been your favourite actual gameplay experience for solo gaming this year, specifically to do with our our episodes which which game have you enjoyed playing the most so not which episode have you enjoyed recording the most which which game have you in, enjoyed playing the most uh there are three really really standout ones can i can i have three no <laughs> yes gonna... you can say all three but you have to pick one to talk about in detail oh <laughs> okay i'm gonna say three the mage knight tournament on facebook was so much fun uh, I mean, it inspired a whole episode. Mm. The community around it, just the fun I had engaging with that was more than I expected. And I love Mage Knight. And playing it competitively, it didn't feel like it was tainting the game for me. It felt like I just had an excuse to get it to the table. And not only did I have an excuse to get it to the table, but there were all these people online who were very excited about the fact that I was doing it. You know, when yeah. you get results and went, guys, I'm through. They were like, oh, brilliant. Well done. That was that was really fun as a solo experience. The second one, and I'm doing it in chronological order, is Iron Swan. Mm-hmm. We've already alluded to the fact that we had no idea what it'd be like. I mean, no idea. Scruffy really had to twist my arm to get Iron Swan into the podcast. Like, that's a confession. I was the reluctant one of the two of us. I was a bit like, okay, I'll give it a go. We'll see. And yeah, it was a huge surprise at how much I enjoyed it. And now I put Iron Swan right up there in my holy trinity of like Mage Knight 18xx and Iron Swan. Yeah. As as like absolute pillars of my favorites. It would be in my Desert Island board game collection for sure. And the third one, the specific play, I remember it, is when I realized that I absolutely loved Marvel Champions. Nice. It was my first multi-handed play against Claw, who is the second of the three villains in the core set. And I was playing with Spider-Man and Iron Man with their pre-constructed decks. And I reduced Claw's health on the first you know, the first phase, and I entered the second phase. And it said, bring in this side scheme and give him X amount more hit points. I think it was like 10 more hit points. And then I looked at the side scheme and I was like, oh, but those 10 hit points will go away when I deal with the side scheme. So that's really incentivizing me to, oh, I see. Oh, oh, this game is so clever. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it's when I realized that, because Rhino's very standard. He tries to hit you very hard. He tries to scheme very fast. You need to hit him very hard and fast. It's when I realized that actually this game is really different depending on the hero you choose, the villain you choose, the encounter you choose, the deck you choose. This game plays really, really different every time. And I sat there and I just thought, wow, this is so 
different to Rhino, I think I'm going to love this game. Mm. And uh, I was right. And I remember it was a little moment where I sat back and it's not even that smart a mechanic that I just described there. It's pretty standard. It's pretty standard fare. But I sat back and went, huh. And I could see the story in my head. I could see what that meant, that what that thema- what that mechanical you know, rule meant thematically. And I could see it happening like a comic book. And I thought, this is, yeah, my heart beat a bit faster. I was excited. I, yeah. So those are my three specific plays. So my first solo play of Iron Swan, uh, the Mage Knight Tournament, and my first multi-handed play against Claw of Marvel Champions are probably my three standout solo experiences this year. Yeah, I think there's something really special there about, I mean, two of those for you were challenging preconceptions that you were probably not going to have a great time. Like, I think you you didn't think with Iron Sworn it was going to be all that, and you certainly thought Marvel was probably going to be pretty basic. Mm-hmm. But then when you have those little moments where you go, wait a minute <laughs> this isn't just fun this is really fun <laughs> yeah. it's uh it's really special isn't it and i i guess with the mage night tournament that maybe maybe you went into that i don't know i'm not in your brain but i certainly went into that thinking okay i'll, I'll try it out i don't have many expectations and then when i won the thing and got to post it on the facebook and then later in the discord we did uh we did the tournament there and i got to post it there and, and show off and have that lovely feeling of extrinsic reward from you know moving it beyond the play session it was uh, it was a, a surprise to me and I, I wonder if it was for you as well yeah I, I i kind of thought that the tournament would bring pressure but if anything it brought excitement i was like oh a new challenge what's it going to be this this week and it gives you an excuse to play mage night as well which mm, you know i'll always i'll always welcome <laughs> Yeah, so I guess the the trick for you then, Norm, is every episode, just assume the game's going to be boring and rubbish and uh, you'll have a few more excellent play sessions to talk about next year. <laughs> what about you, Scruffy? What's your like outstanding moment, your outstanding play session of 2020? Well, for me, it was The Wretched. Oh, good pick. And I think that's pretty much evidenced in the fact that I... You know, after recording my PlayStation, I uploaded it to YouTube and did a bit more edits on it to to make it really pop, but kept it kind of almost entirely verbatim, exactly how it was said. You know, I didn't change any of the intonations or move things around, really. I just put a few sound effects on there because I think it was such a raw and real experience. And I talk about it in episode 14, where we covered the game, that for me, it was the most profoundly personal experience I've had with a board game. It was coming off the back of my first ever solo RPs with Iron Swarm, which I obviously really enjoyed. And I didn't think that gaming could be taken to a new level. And then it it took me to a whole new level. I, 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 yeah, I couldn't, can't really do justice to what, what it did for me um, as a game and as a play session. And the immersion that I felt in it was incredible. I mean, the game just understands performative connect thematic Mm. tie-ins and feeling and just how to get players invested and frame the experience and yeah it just understands what it's trying to achieve it has a really specific goal the wretched and it focuses on that like a laser Mm. i think if you don't even consider it like a game just consider it like 
an experience and allow yourself to be engrossed in it. And the Wretched is phenomenal at what it does. I mean, the mechanics of it in terms of gameplay, we talked about this in the episode, so I don't want to rehash it too much, but in terms of gameplay, it's, it's pretty simple. And I played a similar thing with almost identical mechanics in the wasteland one but didn't have anywhere near the same immersion because it's about the specifics it's about the way that it focuses like you say in terms of the 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 details the minutiae yeah i don't it's hard to explain it without you experiencing it yeah everything the game does in the wretched is focused towards the angle of making you feel a specific way everything and Mm. that's why it works if any of those settings were altered slightly it wouldn't have been as effective. And it's rare to say that about a game. A lot of games actually get praised because they're very sandboxy. You can do what you like. Yeah. In The Wretched, it's, well, it's the complete opposite. Yeah, it, break, it breaks a lot of rules, doesn't it? Like, what I look for in a game, I want a game that's infinitely replayable. Of course I do, everyone does. It's not. <laughs> but, but in terms of best play sessions I've had this year and games I've been playing for the podcast, that one was number one. Nice. Very, very nice. Yeah, I like that. That is a... Terrific answer. So let's go back in time and look at some of our older episodes again. Episode 11, Aeon's End Legacy. I wanted to talk about this one because, to my mind, it is the example I would use of like the the structure that I always want us to achieve in our episodes. I don't know why I feel that way, but when I when I put it together and when I listened back to it, I was like, yes, this is always player one at its finest. It's, you know, it's it's just exactly right for how I want us to talk about a game, the depth I want us to go into about a game, and then the the moving on to a topic and and t- discussing the interesting stuff around outside of the game session. Aeon's End Legacy episode 11 for me was a real highlight of the year. Did you feel the same way? Yeah, I suppose it is quite quintessentially always player one in that sense. We always strive to, you know, go in depth on the game analysis, move beyond the play session, open up to a broader topic. It's not always achievable. Sometimes the things that we want to talk about when we go beyond the play session are still wrapped up in the game. So sometimes it doesn't lead on to a broader topic, or if it does, it's one we've already had before. Yeah. So it's not always possible to achieve, but it is a goal that we want for every episode. You know, we do want to analyze the game, go beyond the play session, and most of the time that will unlock a whole broader topic that we need to discuss on its own. But not always. And that's fine as well, I think. As long as we're, in my mind, as long as we're analyzing the game and speaking about the feelings of the game beyond just what happened at the table and speaking about how it makes us feel. I think that's mission achieved, but mission achieved with an A plus is something like Aeon's End and episode 11. I think. Yeah, I I agree. It was a lot of fun. There was another one of those episodes where we both were pleasantly surprised by a game which is always really lovely when we, we pick up a game and we go in thinking, okay, it's going to be X, and then it turns out to be Z. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then it led led on so nicely to talking about a really, for my mind, a really interesting topic. I mean, the, the thing is, of all the things always play one is, yes, yes, the goal is to, you know, analyze the game beyond the play session and, and potentially speak about a broader, broader topic if, if possible. But... For me, it's always been a journey of discovery. If you listen to us every two weeks, 
you're seeing us explore the solo tabletop arena. That's why we have that wide-eyed amazement at Ironsworn in episode nine, because this isn't something that, you know, we didn't get a review copy of the book sent to us. We, we're just two guys trying to explore a hobby. And yes, that does mean that sometimes we'll give first impressions and you may not agree with them, but we will come back to them <laughs> because, you know, this is this is the podcast. It is a journey of discovery, and it's uh, it's nice to see how far we've come already. And it's going to be even more fun in twenty twenty one to see how how much further we can go. What else there is out there, and not just what else there is out there in terms of newer stuff, but how are we going to feel about these games we've already tried on the podcast once we're experienced, once we're old hats in it, like like you professionals are who are listening to the podcast you know i don't know how you feel about it, scruffy but that's how i feel yeah, about you're it. listening to a pair of greenhorns finding their feet with a new hobby and uh hopefully that can be a fun experience to hear and you can you can roll your eyes at us when we get things wrong and say silly mistakes or things that seem so naive to you who've experienced the game before obviously we, we always want to hear it and we always want to hear where you think the game improves with repeated plays and things like in Spirit Island that more familiarity might make you able to multi-hand in a way that's not as taxing. Perhaps a different approach to the game people have mentioned that, I, that would, would help with brain burn for that specific example. And there are, there are others. But yeah, it would be naive to think that we're always going to have 100% agreement with our listeners because, you know, everyone has different opinions and that's part of the fun. One thing I will say is I think we have both especially me but we have both come to challenge our preconceptions about what we think is going to be fun and we are able to change our mind like if you look at the scruffy's dilemma episode uh the last uh always play one episode 17 i literally changed my mind mid-episode <laughs> so, yeah. yeah 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 absolutely absolutely we're we're honest i think is the best way mm. to say it we're honest and more importantly, we're open. We're open to the experience. We're here as genuine explorers of this hobby. Yeah. We're here because we want to soak it all in like a sponge and and see what it's like. And that's why we're able to have episodes like Marvel Champions, where I go, I hate collectible card games. I hate Marvel. I love Marvel Champions. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense, but it's because we're yeah, we're open to the experience. And I think that's uh I think that's pretty cool. And uh yeah, more of that in 2021, I would say. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And uh we will continue to explore. And the, the thing is as well, I think we were both really worried that doing this podcast would diminish our passion for the whole topic, the whole genre of solo gaming or gaming in general. It would make it feel like a chore or a job. And it hasn't for me, and I I, I think it hasn't for you as well, if I'm right. There, Norm? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so that we are able to kind of keep that wide-eyed wonder as we go and experience a new game, even if it's a game that's similar to one we've played before. Marvel Champions is a fantastic example that we, we've played, both of us, all of the other uh, LCGs, basically. Uh, I don't think there are any we haven't between us played. And we were still pleasantly surprised and able to come out from a completely new player perspective even still because it's a new game to us and the subtle changes and stuff made the experience in this specific case 
much more fun for both of us. So I'm, I'm really excited going forward to see what comes next. I've been looking at too many bones and watching rules explanations, having a flick through the manual. And I'm really excited to dive into that one. I think I'm going to really like it. But who else, who knows what else we're going to cover and what other gems we'll find. It's, oh, it's so exciting. Well, one, one thing I think helps keep that wide-eyed wonderment, as you described it, Scruffy, is I think the format of the podcast. And when I say the format, it's because there isn't, there isn't a review format. That was one thing that's really important. When I took Marvel Champions, I didn't go, okay, how does it compare against the 10 things that we check for every episode? Hmm. There is no 10 things. There is no, what are the components like? Let me get out this other box. How does it compare? Yes. There's no, what do I think of the theme? Well, you know, I don't like the theme. So what? What? why speak about it? And it allows you to let that then surprise you, doesn't it? Because yeah. if you decided, okay, I need to rate the theme. Out, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about in episode eight about our top fives. When you have to list things, rate things and compare things out of context, it can diminish the experience. And so if you had had to rate the theme and say, yeah, okay, I'll rate the theme a one out of five, you'd have that in your mind all the way through. But because you were able to just relax into it, not think about that, not even have that thought pop into your head, you were able to enjoy the theme. I mean, when I listen to other reviews and watch other reviews on YouTube, for example, they're normally structured like, this is the rules of the game. This is what I think of the theme, the components, uh, the replayability, and if it's fun. And I always want to scream at these people and say, a game is more than the sum of its parts. You can't just break it down like that and go, well, that's a three out of five, that's a two out of five, that's a four out of five, and that's a this. So overall, it's uh, 3.7. No. no. You, <laughs> a game is more than the sum of its parts. Castles of Burgundy has terrible components. It has been in my top 10 for so long because the game isn't just that it's not just a physical thing that you purchase. It is that, and that's kind of something that makes it special as a tactile experience, but it's an experience. And yeah, the fact that we don't break things down in that way and we try to analyze what we find personally interesting, I think that helps us stay wide-eyed and excited for the genre. I really hope this doesn't sound self-congratulatory at all. It's just... We've never got to speak about why we do what we do and look back in this way. So it's kind of interesting where it's taking me. Yeah, I mean, we're taking the same wide-eyed wonder to analysing what's interesting about our podcast. Fantastic. <laughs> it's <laughs> nice transferable skills. But you're right. I mean, the, the stripping away of the context that so many of these rating things do it's taking away the interesting stuff. You're move, removing all the interplay. You're removing all the wider context, the stuff that is fascinating, the magic. Yeah. And you're, you're boiling it down to a number. You're trying to distill it into a science. And board games are not a science. Solo, the, the, the fun that you get from playing a game it is not mathematical. You can play games with maths. Great. <laughs> but the actual experience, uh, it's much more magic than maths. It's much more a performance, a, an interaction than it is a formula. Yeah, it's a conversation. Yeah, it does feel it does feel like that, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's a conversation, and gosh, I wish I knew all this now. Now that we're a bit further on when we did episode one, this is why I love solo gaming. It's magic. Mm. Mm. 
Yeah. And I think it's really good that we've uh, decided to do this episode today and, and look back like this with you guys listening along too, because I think we're sort of being shining a light on ourselves and, and, and being mindful in a really nice way. And it will help us going forward now. Yes. Reinvigorating and making me excited to... Yeah, making me excited to kick off 2021 with uh, with an analysis of too many bones, for sure. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to hate it now. Terrible. <laughs> 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 Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. We'll we, see. we will see. Okay. Okay. Um, do you think that's enough looking back over 2020? Yeah, are there any more honourable mentions you want to throw out for people to to maybe have a look at of our of our top episodes? Any that you think were real standout ish ones, or do you think we've covered all all your favourites? I think the most. I just want to say the most underrated episode is Roads and Boats. It's okay. it's been our least played episode for so long, and I get it. It's a twenty year old game, twenty one year old game now. It's mo- mostly out of print. I get it, but I think we had some really good conversations in there, and especially the part after the game analysis where we open up to a broader topic. I think that was really fun. Mm. That's a really good episode, in my opinion, and it doesn't get the love it deserves. So, yeah, if I can have a pedestal to rant about it, then thank you, Scruffy. I'm going to rant about that. (laughs) Episode six is underrated. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Yeah, it was a good one. It was a very good episode, and it's uh, a bit of an obscure game, so... For anyone who likes uh, the cult classics, games that nobody's heard of, uh, definitely check out episode six, Roads and Boats. And it's the first episode we disagreed with each other. Yeah, that's true. That is very true. It was nice to have that kind of comfort that we'd formed all through the first five episodes shaken to its core in episode six. It's uh, it's our conflict episode. <laughs> yeah. And we've, I think we've had more severe conflicts, specifically Anachrony was just you and I disagreeing the whole episode. Yeah. <laughs> but episode six was a good precursor. You know, this was off the first time where we, where we had very different experiences with the game, but it was, it was all fine in the end. We, we kissed and made up in the end. Yeah, I mean, we've had some other amazing guests on as well for our other episodes, haven't we? We've had uh, Octavo. Uh, on episode 10 talking about yeah. miniature games print and play specifically orchard nine they were they were fantastic in that uh, we had we had steve schlepphurst on for episode 13 where we talked about pax premiere and it was really uh enlightening getting their take on automa decks and ais in general yeah and am i missing anyone i don't think i am those those are all our special guests we don't have many on they have to be right for the episode you know getting octavo dan from um dragon dawn productions to come on and speak about you know micro games that was a great addition to the episode they knew a lot more than we did and Mm -hmm. that made that really elevated the episode in my opinion yeah and it was the same with steve on the Pax Premier episode. Obviously, Steve works for Genius Games and has designed Atomodex themselves. And obviously, having the actual designer on for Railway Station was uh, was an absolute joy. Uh, and uh, having them back again for the Christmas quiz. Yeah, I think one of the reasons we don't get a lot of people on the show is because we're often talking about games. Because we're exploring the solo gaming hobby, we're still playing catch up. So a lot of the games we have on are old games. They've not. They're not brand new. So it's not like the designer is going to come on and promote this game that's 
been around forever and ever. They've probably got something new to to pedal. I think it's also the we like you say we we don't interview the people we talk about the game with the people in the room and that is uh it's kind of a scary thing if you don't know the person Mm -hmm. because you don't know how they're going to react to criticism or things like that so it's a it's a it's a much more scary thing uh it was nice having steve on for talking about the pax premier automa which isn't the one they designed i think i would have found it a lot more nerve-wracking having them on for the ai they designed uh especially because when we set out to do an episode we don't know whether we're gonna like it or not yeah absolutely and um i think steve was actually terrific on that episode because we brought them on not only because they designed automadex but also because they love pax premier and they played it more than we have so we thought it would again elevate the episode just a little bit and they were so mature about there were some times where you criticize the automadex and they were so mature at just you know, explaining things that, you know, come with repeated plays. And it felt, yeah, it was an excellent conversation. Yeah. So, I mean, highlight of this episode, I'd say the main takeaway, listen to every single one of our episodes. They're all bangers. (laughs) Listen to episode six. (laughs) 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 No, um, I think think that was really fun to look back like that. I've not really done that. Not really done it before, and we've not really spoken about it. We're always focused on the next thing. What's the next thing? Yeah, it was nice to have this kind of uh, thing. I didn't think we'd get much out of it except a kind of just casual chat, but we we ended up uh, going to some pretty deep places there, Norm, I think. Yeah, what is Always Player One? Yeah. It's you. It's It's, you. It's you, the listener. (laughs) (laughs) It's how it makes you feel. (laughs) Always Player One is a feeling. (laughs) A decorative fruit basket. It's <laughs> it's a state of mind. That was a little Bojack joke there for any uh, Bojack Horseman fans. It was good. I liked it. It was good. It was good. Okay. So moving on. Uh, what uh, what else have we got to talk about today, Norm? Let's uh, let's no. go. Let's go back to the present. No more back in time stuff. We've already looked at the future. We've looked at Christmas past. Looked at Christmas future. Time for Christmas present. Where are we now? What's going on? Well, come in and know me better, man. The um, <laughs> the um, listener choice awards. So yeah. we didn't know always player one was going to have awards until like last week. <laughs> <laughs> but no, what what happened? Let's give you the full rundown. On our Discord, we had Afterman suggest that we create a channel called Top Games. And it's a place where people can put their favorite games, uh, like list them, top 10s, top 50s, whatever. And I thought that's a good idea. So we did it. And we said, why didn't you all write in your top games? And we can look at what differences there are throughout the year. End the year, giving us your top list, and we'll, we'll go from there. Some people posted top fives, some people posted top 10s, top 50s, top 30s, top 25s. I don't think any smaller than top five, though. And I just want to say quickly, interrupting you there, Norm, sorry, that I just want to make a point of saying that this is all something that just came out completely organically, like you say, and it makes me so happy just having these little moments with our with our discords and, and the way that the interaction goes, that it can become a thing all of a sudden. Oh, no, no, definitely. I mean, our top five episode came about because somebody 
commented on our Instagram saying you should do this episode. And I was like, yeah, we should. That's a good idea. Because we've always had listener questions at the end of the episode because we wanted to talk to other people about solo board games, not just me and Norm. And I, I didn't expect it to go beyond getting a few emails every now and again. I did not know we were going to have a Discord server set up when we started this podcast. And it's just been electric and fun and exciting. And I love reading everyone's comments. And you always come to me saying, oh, did you see what so-and-so said about such and such? And it's just lovely, you know, getting that that sort of conversation there around the episodes and around games in general. Yeah. So, so Afterman on Discord suggested this. And I set up the channel and I didn't know what to expect. But we got a lot of responses. And... In preparation for this episode, we thought, you know, it's our end of the year episode. This is us saying that was 2020. Those are the episodes we've done. This is us looking back at the first year as podcast hosts and looking to the future. What would be a really nice way to round it off? And I thought, why don't we just take all this data we've already got and say, thanks very much, everyone. We've actually done something fun with it. And we've calculated what are your favorite games. So the way we've done it is we've decided to go with a gold, silver, and bronze list of choice awards for our first, second, and third. We took the top three games from every list, and we gave them three. We've it's very derivative of the uh, one uh, one player guild top two hundred list, but a lot smaller. <laughs> uh, we gave it three points for being number one, two points for number two, one point for number three, and here are the results. Scruffy, do you want to do? Bronze? Yes, uh, bronze. So our third place bronze medal goes to Pandemic. We included Pandemic Legacy in the maths for this one because we figured they were very, very similar games. And uh, yeah, that one takes the third place. Excellent. So congratulations to Pandemic. That's, um, yeah, it's one that I really like. I know you're not a big fan of, are you, Scruffy? No. <laughs> This is not this is not your choice. This is the listener choice. No, it's the listener choice. I have to I have to go along with it. <laughs> Grin and bear it. <laughs> but I'm very happy. I, I quite like pandemic as a solo experience. To be uh, fair, we haven't done an episode on pandemic. I haven't played it since the podcast. I've only really played it co-op. I don't, I don't even know if I have played it solo. So that's a bit harsh of me to, to to dive on that. And I think I should probably challenge that preconception and we should revisit it for a full episode in 2021. Perfect. Um, that's that's a great idea. I'd be happy to, happy to talk about it. Number two. So our Silver Always Player One Listener Choice Award goes to Scythe, which is a favourite of mine, a favourite of yours, Scruffy. Yeah, love it. Uh, love it multiplayer. I'm not such a huge fan on solo. I've only, to be fair, I've only played it on the digital version. So with that sort of AI there, I don't know how similar that is to the board game version of AI, but I have heard some pretty uh, less than positive reviews about the board game version of the AI that the battles are really easy and stuff. So I haven't ever got around to playing it solo. But in terms of multiplayer and in terms of the game and the mechanics of the theme, I absolutely adore Scythe. Love, love, love Scythe. Um, a very worthy number two, and it takes our silver medal. Congratulations. And number one, gold medal goes to, of course, it had to be Mage Knight. Yeah, this was by far the biggest winner. Everything else was quite close. Uh, Mage Knight was far and away the highest, uh, the game that appeared in the most top threes. Mm. 
I think that's cool. We're not interested in what you think is the 30th best solo game. You know, Why would we give you a point for that? <laughs> we want to know what your very best are. And yeah, Mage Knight was in the most top three. So uh, a deserved winner and my favorite solo game. Yeah, yeah, it, it absolutely belongs there, doesn't it? I think it, it makes sense that our Discord community would vote Mage Knight since we ran a Mage Knight tournament. So that might have brought in a few mage knight fans <laughs> yeah. perhaps we stacked the deck there in its favor and uh, obviously you guys listening have heard us sing its praises constantly and that hasn't put you off so yeah and i think as well um it's again this isn't when people put their list they didn't even know they were voting for an award because we didn't mm. even know we were going to do one <laughs> yeah yeah i love that i love that that just kind of came spur of the moment from you norm didn't it just yeah, shout out to your Discord managerial skills. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, don't worry if you if you feel like your game was your your top choice was hard done by. Just remember, it doesn't mean anything. We're not going to send Vlada uh, an award. No one actually gets anything. This is just for fun. So yeah. Yeah, and you know what? We'll be doing this again next year. So uh, we'll draw a line in the sand under that, and uh, next December we'll. Open the Get polls. your votes in for the <laughs> gold, silver, and bronze while everyone knows about it, and, and the stakes will be even higher. <laughs> even higher, absolutely. Brilliant. I think that's a perfect place to end our 2020 review and our look ahead at 2021. Should we look at the responses we got from last episode? Yes, let's do some questions. Excellent. Uh, before we do so... What's the what's the question for this episode? So the listener question this episode is, what has been your favourite solo playthrough session during 2020? So which game that you played stood out for you? It doesn't have to be your favourite game, just that you played a game and that specific one was, ooh, cream of the crop. Yeah. What was it that made you feel like it was so good? And how were you feeling at the time? Like Scruffy said, the Wretched was his standout moment. But Scruffy, you didn't feel happy in that moment, did you? No, it was, the, the, that was for me my favourite because it was such a transformative experience, such a personal journey and something that I didn't know a board game could do. Did your favourite experience challenge you? Did it challenge your preconceptions of what, what the game would be? I'd love to know. Or was it just a time where you kicked butt and mm. you just had a blast destroying the game and you felt like a, a monster? Was it something that made you super happy or something a little bit more left the field and, like Scruffy said, transformative or, or challenging your preconceptions? What was that standout 2020 gaming moment for you? Or are you a total masochist and you hated every moment of it ended up flipping the table, but it was still your favourite because it created such passion in you? Yeah, <laughs> you weirdo. <laughs> you want to hear it. Responses from last episode's question then, Norm. Yeah, so last episode's question was, what game is almost perfect? A game you like playing, a game that is almost fantastic, but one thing stops it being top tier. What is that game and what was the small part that lets it down? So the first one we got in was from Kendall. Kendall says, well, my answer is funny because it's my favourite game ever. But Puzzle Strike isn't totally perfect. Mm. The balance is a bit off and it's mostly fine because most of the characters offer a unique play experience. The only thing that really bugs me is that Onimaru is pretty much just a better version of Geiger. So 
there's an issue of balance there, Scruffy. You've played Puzzle Strike. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, it's a really fun game. Uh, not a solo game, but it is a really lovely, especially as a dual game. I haven't played it more than two player. I'd be very interested to see how it scales for multiple players. But yeah, it's an absolute cracking game. Uh, one I'd love to add to my collection. Perfect. Uh, Afterman, the founder of the Always Player One Listener Choice Awards, without even without even intending, uh, also wrote in and said Phantom Leader and other Danversen games and other DVG leader games probably it's so fun once you get your squadron set up but the setup is horribly unstructured and full of way too many trivial decisions i don't think i've played a game where the setup has you know affected my enjoyment of the game have you scruffy uh well i mean it affects it to some degree doesn't it setups boring and teardowns boring and you know it's, it's always a bit off-putting to set up a game of mage knight but I always find it when I'm doing it a little bit meditative in a nice way. So, and once you finished, you're kind of like, "Oh, let's go." Uh, I've I've not played Phantom Leader though, uh, and that does seem like a bit of a weird, challenging thing to have some sort of arbitrary decisions that you have to make. Maybe uh, is it? I wonder if it'd be possible to randomize any of them. Is that not possible? Or I don't know. Maybe it's important. I, I guess it's one of those games where setup is a part of the gameplay. And that can be that can be fun, but most of the time I just kind of wish that part was already done. Yeah, I don't really like that too much either. I mean, besides things like constructed deck builders and things like that, where obviously you could say the deck building is part of setup. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't tend to like to make choices before I'm playing the game. I feel like this should be turn one, right? Like have the game start in the box and just say, okay, turn one, get the game board. You know, that's fine, as long as I feel like I'm playing the game. You know, why why not make it part of the game? Yeah, I don't know. Like, there's that thing like Twilight Imperium, for example, where you have to build the universe. Yeah, that's fun. I don't like it. I just... not? No, I just wish the map was done. Okay, because I see that as part of the game. Like, we are not necessarily playing turn one, but we're playing turn alpha one turn turn 0.1 you know it's the game has started now like when you get those cards and you're drafting them that's part of the game mm. that's not setup. that's mm. we're making decisions that are going to impact us for the rest of the game not the part that i enjoy yeah there, there. I, I don't know i just don't like it i just it, it just puts me off but i i think i might be in a minority there but mm. let, let us know people, people who don't know this is uh in twilight imperium you're dealt a hand of hexagons which are the the universe the map and it's that you get to choose which ones to place on the board as, as you all fill it out collectively one after the other in turn order and so you can choose to put all the nice planets in your hand nearby you or you can be a bit more devious and try and put them nearby your neighbors so they'll compete for them it's an interesting sort of decision there and it's a lot of fun and it's really fun watching other people put a horrible asteroid belt right by your only way into Mechatile Rex. Yeah, uh, if you like it, you like it. I, I find it tedious. The next response we got in was from Elisio. Uh, Elisio says, mine is the Big Book of Badness. It's a cooperative deck building game. I love both multiplayer and solo, but definitely has balance issues. For each game, you select a random level one spell for each element that will be available for purchase. And some level one spells can make the game too easy, especially at lower player counts. You either remove them from the game, which makes them sad because they don't get to play with all the components, 
or accept that in some games, you won't feel the uncertainty like you would in most co-ops. So yeah, what what do you think of, of that one? Yeah, sounds like another sort of balancing issue like with Puzzle Strike there. Uh, I've not played that one either. Um, looking at it now, it looks like a really pretty little game. Uh, some of the art in it looks really very nice. We'll have to potentially check it out and see what we think. But it's a shame when developers don't just take that extra step and, and, and fix those really simple decisions. And it's uh, it's an interesting one where you kind of think maybe <laughs> it, it opens up the discussion of whether you should just house rule it and, and invent your own version of the card. I think, I, don't know. I think it's fine in competitive games because if that card is particularly swingy, well, you'll have equal access to it. It doesn't matter. No need to balance the cards. Just you can all you can all do crazy stuff, but in 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 cooperative games, you know it's it's not. I mean, I think it depends on whether you do all have equal access to the stuff. I mean, if if a player gets to go first, then they get to have the best card. You need to balance that elsewhere. So as long as that's accounted for in other balancing of the game, then it's okay competitively, I suppose. But yeah, yeah. I mean, if you genuinely have all equal access to a crazy swingy card, then why does it matter? I mean, I, personally, I think it's less of an issue for co-op games or solo games because you're not competing. You know, you, you so you, if somebody else gets an overpowered card, great, they're your ally. It's all good for you. Yeah, but I, I, what they're saying here is that it makes the games too easy sometimes. Mm. And yeah. that's a problem. Um, oh, I see. So, so it's more of a more of an issue of difficulty then, isn't it, as opposed to balance? balance. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Okay, um, so Hen also wrote in and said that they struggle with Vast the Crystal Caverns. It has a premise that instantly gets people hooked because it is really out there. People say things like, you can play as a cave, or mm. really funny things can happen. Like, for example, the thief dies every time he gets hit, but respawns because of a specific curse on, on that player. If all players know all the roles, the game really shines and everyone has a great time. There's a lot of table talk, a lot of laughs, and it's and it's a blast to play. The only problem is the rules. It's so asymmetric that you basically have five different games. And it's not enough to know your own game. You have to account for all five other games to navigate the game correctly. While Root, for example, which is what Hen believes to be its spiritual successor, as an, another asymmetric game from Leader Games... It's a lot more streamlined. It can't hit the same highs as fast, in Hen's opinion. But due to the steep learning curve, the probability of having a great time in Root is actually higher. So Vast has these rough edges, but when a session clicks, it's magical. It's very interesting because that's kind of similar to the conversation we had in Robinson Crusoe. What do you think of that? So that's really interesting to me because I've looked at Vast a lot in the past and I've been put off for that exact reason that... I've heard a lot of different criticisms and, and looking at the rule book and stuff, you, you do have to learn five different games like, or however many different games for all the different uh, characters you can play and you have to know them. And it's mind boggling that you'd be able to get a group together to know all that. Whereas like Hen says, Root is a lot easier because players can enjoy the game just playing their own section of the game. I found when I played Root that it was a continual flight from wonder that I enjoyed the game less and less the more I got used to all the different characters and stuff and the more that my gaming group got used to the different characters because it meant that the games became a lot more predictable. It meant there was a lot less uncertainty and people just kind of 
we're able to predict things too clearly. I love the idea that a game like Vast, the you're rewarded for learning these different mechanics and, and factions and stuff. So I think if you found the right people to play with, that would be really fun and ideal to be able to start to click things together and have a few kind of awkward games to start with and then them get more and more fun when, and then hit the kind of zen session where everyone knows what everyone's doing. In Root, I think it starts off the most fun when there's that uncertainty and you, you see the Woodland Alliance suddenly spring to power and you go, I didn't know they could do that. That's exciting. Or at least it was for me in, in my playthroughs of, of Root. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't really have anything to add to that. But I've also not played Vast and have played Root uh, with you as well, Scruffy. So. Mm. Yes, I've always been really interested in Vast. And the, the, like uh, Hen says, the concept of it is fantastic. The different characters you can play are really distinct and interesting. But yeah, not at all new player friendly. So what an interesting uh, caveat. I don't, know, I don't know if there's a fix for, for Vast. And I don't know if there needs to be. Yeah. Um, th- and whether you just need to have the right people and then get lucky that, that's one of the things you know if you do if you do clip it like we said robinson crusoe would it be less special yeah and i think it's roots the perfect example for me it is le- less special than what i imagine vast would be and what hen seems to be suggesting it is interesting because it's been sanded down very interesting okay we've got two more so the next one's from peter lovelace who says for me two games come to mind and they've been very brave in their selection, so kudos. They said, first of all, Mage Knight has its fiddly rules. Checking rules takes me out of the game. I'm looking forward to the day I play it without checking any rules and feeling confident doing so. I would have wished that someone would have co-authored with Vlada, maybe Vladimir Suchi or even Reiner Knizia. The other game is Spirit Island, and it's lackluster ending every time. Maybe an expansion can fix that someday. Wow, what interesting choices. Yeah, I, I have to say, uh, Mage Knight for me, I had the same thing. Like, And, you know, I might even still make the odd mistake with rules. I don't think I do. And it, But it took me so many playthroughs to get that rule book back in the box. I, I was saying to my partner every time I played, I said, this session, this is the time I don't have to check the rule book. And we had a little joke where I'd have to do the rule book check of shame because I didn't know a specific interaction or I forgot how something worked because it is such a complicated game and there are so many fiddly little things that you could easily overlook or have to look up. And I, I, I agree, I hate I hate the Mage Knight rule book. It's not easy for me to reference anything in it. And for a game that requires you to do that, I, I don't know what the fix is. Maybe you're maybe you're right, Peter. Maybe the bladder needed a co-op. I, I I hate to say it because I love Ladders games. I love the work they do, but oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I think we said in episode three that Mage Knight exchanges, you know, ease, easiness to learn for depth of game. Every interaction can be completely different. And it's, it's the fact that so many rules exist to allow that to happen. Mm. So I would love to say you could have one without the other, but. I mean, I don't know. That's that's no, and you're right, Norm. It, it it justifies it because it needs those janky edges to keep it in. Something like Robinson Crusoe doesn't justify having you to keep diving back into the rule book, in my opinion, because it's not as deep and janky as something like Mage Knight, and so. You, you, I, I kind of have to ask myself, well, why do I keep having to check the rule book in something like Wrong Sushi? In Mage Knight, I kind of go in knowing I'm going to, uh, you know, 
when I first started, or you know, it, it makes sense because it's an epic game to some extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's an epic game where the interactions are not similar. Going from a dungeon to a mage tower to a rampaging orc to a draconum and then to a city is going to feel much, much different than fighting against five different enemies in Gloomhaven. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? So Gloomhaven yeah. is also an epic game, but it, it doesn't, doesn't capture the magic that Mage Knight does because I've just explained five different encounters you can have you know, in one play session of Mage Knight. If you played a, a one session of Gloomhaven that had five different enemies, would it feel like you're having five completely unique experiences? I don't think so. No, I mean, they, they might have slightly different variations on attack, but essentially they have health that must be eliminated and do damage or status effects. It's all, it's all very interchangeable and similar. In Mage Knight, because the enemies are often located on different areas and those different areas have their own unique effects, so you, you not only have variable enemies, but variable locations and rules for those locations, variable rewards, variable interactions. It's a lot of different variables. And that's why you need to keep checking the rules. And yeah, I think you just have to be okay with that. Peter, I don't think the day will ever come where you'll be able to play without checking the rulebook ever. Even I've played a game, I mean, I play without the rulebook most of the time, but sometimes, sometimes I find out I might get a rule slightly wrong uh there is a lot to remember that day might come but if it doesn't it's it's worth it it's still worth it in my opinion yeah yeah and uh with with regard to the spirit island having a lackluster ending uh yeah i mean i wouldn't say the ending is for me the the thing that makes spirit island yeah difficult uh, yeah i can see i can see that criticism but for me it's um uh, it's the the brain burny of uh, playing multi-handed with Spirit Island. It's a common criticism, though, especially if you know you're going to win. It's kind of, okay, I've done now. I I did it. Cool. I get it. There's no no finale. Potentially, that might be a thing of, if if you're playing it on too easy a difficulty, maybe that's what's the problem there. Or because in those cases, you can, yeah, you're right, see the, the win coming from, a mile off. What's nice is when you get those games where it's right up to the wire. Am I going to make it? I do it on the last turn or I don't. Mm. Those those are the most interesting endings, aren't they? And I, I quite like that Spirit Island doesn't pigeonhole. It doesn't always end that way. It can be different every, every playthrough. My favourite thing about this comment from Peter, though, is that they've gone, yeah, these are the two most popular solo games. I'm going to tell you why I've got a problem with both. I love that. Yeah, nice. <laughs> I love that. Um, nice one, Peter. Perfect. Although I hear the Scythe is the second most popular. <laughs> <laughs> okay. One last one then, Norm, and we'll wrap this up. Okay, one last one. It's from one of our special guests. Uh, it's from Steve in episode 13. They said, it's not solo, or at least the solo mode isn't any good, but it's Lorenzo Il Manifico. Do you remember this one, the dice placement game? Yes, I remember this one. Perfect. They said it's a very tight and fun worker placement game, but they've listed three reasons that let the game down. Number one, you can run your yellow engine, uh, which is to say you take all the abilities on your yellow cards for resource generation and conversion, but you can't use stuff you made to power other stuff. 
So if you have make two coins and spend one coin to get three wood and spend two wood to get five VP, it seems like you have a great engine, but you can't use the two coins to make it work. So yeah, that sounds like an interesting problem. Number two is two player. The changes are too tight, punishing and poorly calibrated and unnecessarily so. And the third reason they listed is the expansion is much beloved, but has weird, unnecessary randomness. There you go. That's that's Steve's three-point reasons for why Lorenzo is almost perfect. I've played it. I've only played it three-player. I haven't played it uh, solo or two-player, so I cannot comment on those things. And it was a long time ago since I played, so I don't really remember that thing about the yellow engine. But I will absolutely take your word for it uh that that is the case (laughs) yeah i actually got this game right before it was one of the last multiplayer games i bought right before the whole covid situation Uh, looking forward to diving into that one more once once things are allowed yeah it's a it's a good little game i enjoyed my session i had playing it so I, i look forward to hopefully playing it with you sometime absolutely Um, But that's all the responses we got from last episode. That's all we've got time for. I hope you've enjoyed this really weird episode. (laughs) Mm. We'll be back to podcast as usual going forward in January. We'll have a new Always Player One episode out for you in two weeks. For our patrons, we have the next planning phase coming out next week. And I hope you guys have enjoyed the free one this December and obviously the quiz as well yeah and uh yeah i hope you have enjoyed the free bonus content over december as we move into january like scruffy says that is going back the bonus content is going back to being patreon exclusives if you want to sign up to our patreon you can do so it's www.patreon.com forward slash always player one podcast if you want to uh respond to the question this week which scruffy once again what's the question the question this week is what has been your favourite play session this year for a solo game? You can respond in our listener questions channel on our Discord. The links to our Discord are in the description. Make sure you join. It's free to do so. And we have the best online community. You guys rock. If you don't want to do that, though, you can email us. It's alwaysplayeronepodcast.gmail.com. You can reach out on social media. We are on Facebook. The links are in the description. We are on Instagram as at always player one podcast and we are on Reddit as well. It's always underscore player underscore one. And we post at least once every two weeks in the solo board gaming subreddit. So check us out. Thank you guys so much for listening to our last holiday special. I hope you have a wonderful new year and catch you in two weeks. Yeah. Happy new year all. See you in two weeks. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support the show, don't forget to check out our Patreon page. The links to that are in the description. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Always Player One. Until then, reach out on Facebook, Instagram, or by email to keep the conversation going.